You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barrichini, and Alex Hoffman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sticks in the Six, episode 81. I think it's the first time in, well, let's uh, let's go with a month that uh, the three of us are back here together. <laughs> but uh, we didn't miss a beat. Alex did some great hosting the last couple of weeks. Peter, top-notch as always. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boys, it, I was, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I was excited to be back this week and, and talk some hockey. It's been a while. I think my wife's getting sick and tired of listening to me to t- talk Maple Leafs. Uh, but uh, before we get into the first round matchup here, uh, Alex, let's throw it to you. How are you doing this week? Oh, well, I'm still sort of working my way out of this uh, this sleep schedule that has me waking up at 3.30 every day. Um, <laughs> if you've listened to previous episodes, you've heard me talk about this. And uh, yeah, I, I, I believe that this past week is my last on that shift. So I've just been spending the entire weekend trying to catch up and get my sleep schedule back to normal because... You know, you can take all the naps you want, but when you're waking up at 3.30 a.m. every day, and I know Forbes, you can attest to this as well because you did a similar shift. You're, you're really, you're, there's, there's no point in the day when you're not tired. Let's face no. it. You can beat around the bush, bush as much as you want. You can try and catch up on sleep during the day. It just doesn't work. So I'm telling um, you, yeah. I, I watched Walking Dead when it was on and I was like, man, this is, this is, they, they made a show about my life. This is what I am. <laughs> it was wild. That shit, that shift, you're right. It doesn't, doesn't change. Uh, That's the you're 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 completely dead the entire day that's the 21st century uh, i guess well i guess the actual uh, walking dead is based in the 21st century as well but i was gonna say that's oh, today's geez. day and age walking dead is just a bunch of bunch of millennials who are tired from waking up early <laughs> yeah. walking around instead of, <laughs> instead of eating each other <laughs> um but yeah other, other other than that i've been great uh ball hockey you know our, our ever so anticipated spring season's coming to a close we've got our last two games of the season this week so then i'll be back with the playoff updates so wish us luck uh we've got to channel that killer instinct just like we hope our boys channel theirs and <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll be fun, Peter. How you doing, buddy? Uh I, I, I kind of felt like today was a Walking Dead kind of day for me. Like I just didn't want to get up or do anything. But you know, um, you know, uh, I've been good. Uh, I, off air, I recently told you guys that you know, a dog sat for one of my uh, my sister's friend's dog. Um, they just needed someone to look after her for a few hours, so we took care of the pup and. I've, I've dog sat for dogs before for like neighbors, friends, family, and everything like that. This dog was super chill. Like I didn't have to run after it, chase it, tell it, tell it to like, no, stop, whatever. Be stern. This dog would just do its own thing. And it would just like come over, you know, sift my hand, lick my hand, whatever. Just walk around, plop down, get up uh, 15, 20 minutes later, go to another area, plop down. And it was super calm, super relaxing. I'm there and I'm just like, well, okay, well, what are we going to do now? We really can't do anything. The, mo- the most exciting thing was the walk, taking the dog for a walk. That was it. So, you know, it's kind of boring when that's the highlight of the whole dog sitting thing and nothing else. But it was fun. It was, it was very relaxing. It was nice. You know, it, 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 I, I don't know how to describe it because I've never had that happen before. Nice, relaxing kind of day with... Uh with somebody else's pup. It's one of those, you, you got the vacuums that vacuum the floor by themselves. Now you have a dog that takes care of itself. So I think we're, yeah. I think we're Look how far right technologies come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, for sure. 
And even when we were cooking food for dinner, this dog didn't even bother to like, you know, beg for food for like a piece of meat or anything like that. It was just doing its own thing. It was just sleeping and relaxing. And I'm like, man, I want to know like what this dog is like through like a, like a thunderstorm. Cause if it, if nothing was phased through this, man, whoo. Peter's over there checking its pulse and making sure it's still alive. He's got like yeah. steak, steak cooking on the stove. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! What a well. Hopefully, hopefully we won't have to check the pulse of the Maple Leafs as we head into the playoffs. Uh, kicking off tomorrow. Well, I guess I mean technically today we're recording Sunday night again. Uh, right now. So uh, we are Monday morning, baby. We are Monday officially morning. in playoff action. Um, the countdown in, is on. Uh, what's uh, yeah, yeah, 12, 19 hours, 19 hours we got puck drop. Yeah, let's go That's 19 exciting hours. Stuff. Exciting. Sounds about right. Yeah, it's great stuff, boys. And uh, But before we get into the Leafs first round matchup, I just did, I wanted to quickly talk about uh, Marley's signing uh, this past week, Bobby McMahon. Um, I don't know if you guys read much into this Bobby McMahon, uh, Bob, sorry, Bobby McCann, Bobby McCann. McMahon. Did, did I McMahon. say McMahon? McMahon. It is McMahon. Yeah. Why, why am I reading about a Bobby McCann then? Who the hell's Bobby McCann? That, that okay. That, that was my bad. It, it, autocorrect must have screwed something up on my computer when I was editing or like <laughs> filling in the sheet. So it probably read McCann, and I was also probably thinking of Jared McCann as well. But it is Bobby McMahon. Well, hold on. But it says Bobby McMahon in the sheet. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. No. It absolutely I don't think does you mess, I don't Bobby think McMahon. you messed it up. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'm talking okay, about well, Bobby. Bobby McCann is uh, maybe another guy that the the Leafs signed. (laughs) Jesus. I'm looking at the wrong news on the pod. I don't know what I did. We were going to discuss Bobby McMahon, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this Bobby McCann McCann. just signed as well. No. I think it's it's a mix of Jared McCann and and Bobby McMahon's name coming together. I honestly think it's that. I'm telling you, this this is the ECAC hockey website, okay? ECAC hockey website has the headline Bobby McCann, but then in the actual, in the actual text here has Bobby McMahon. So that's, what's throwing me off here. Oh, someone did. That's proofread. tough. Yes. That's tough. Okay. That's a, okay. that's a mistake. You okay, can't so, be making. So problem okay, solved. So, problem solved. Okay. So it wasn't me. Okay, cool. No, but uh, usually it is me. <laughs> we just we just went for a roller coaster ride right off the bat today, didn't we? So, folks, if you're still with us, if you're still with us, look, we're we're thinking playoff hockey. We're not talking Marley's here, but uh, <laughs> no, if you guys are still with us, uh, whatever you want to call this kid, um, Peter. I mean, you get you get. We all talk prospects all the time, but. Uh, Peter, this is, a, this is a note that you added. Um, what's your, what's your take on this signing for the Marlies? From what I'm understanding, this is a this is a pretty highly skilled, talented kid. Yeah, kind of kind of a late bloomer too. Um, you know, spent some games with the Marlies last season, but also spent majority of his time in the ECHL this season. I believe he set the record for most goals by a rookie or. I, I can't remember. I'm going to have to try and go back on that. It, it, it's really early in the morning and I didn't quite. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it is that, that he had, yeah, set records for goals, uh, franchise record for goals by a rookie for the Toronto Marlies with 24. So fantastic season. And he has like a power forwards build. Like he, he's six foot one, 203 pounds. Um, great shot. And you know what? He's got that, you know, drive for the net. He likes to attack 
full force. He's got good speed, really good hands. Um, obviously, you don't know what to expect from a player that goes from co- collegiate, signing the AHL contract, playing some time in the ECHL. But if the way that he's developing right now, I I think that, you know, obviously I don't think that he's going to be like a top-tier player for the Maple Leafs, but he's a player – maybe can get an opportunity, crack the lineup, be a depth player, rotate in every now and then. I mean, he's another big body, kind of like Curtis Douglas. We talked about him before, how much he's improved lately. So if you have two solid skilled guys that have that size and that that physical presence in McMahon and Douglas as well, I I think it's going to be great. But for him to come in, do what he did and set that franchise record, He's taking a lot of steps, and that's really a really positive sign for him. Yeah, Alex, I mean, obviously a guy that can put the puck in the net. I think the Leafs are showing their ability to create more depth within the the, the system for, uh, for the franchise. Your thoughts on on the, the two-year contract for uh, McMahon? Yeah, I can't really speak too much about this contract because, to be completely honest, I haven't really looked into it too, too much. I don't know too much about Bobby McMahon aside from what Peter just said. Um, but I have learned, or I did learn a while back to, uh, never, you know, just sort of brush off overage AHL signings or, uh, not, not even just AHL signings, but overage players that, uh, get signed to entry level contracts mm-hmm. because for the longest time, I thought that I, I didn't know who Justin Hall was. I just knew that he was this guy who was drafted in like 2010 or whatever it was. And just sort of kept like, they kept bringing him back. He played in the ECHL and then he was kind of, you know, putting up okay numbers for the Marlies. And the next thing I knew he was in their top four for the Leafs playoff run in 2021. So um, I think it's, it just goes to show that, you know, doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter how many points you put up. Uh, if the right team, you know, comes calling, then, then there's a chance you can end up uh, with a pro gig. So uh, good for Bobby McMahon to sign this contract and uh, looking forward to following him a little bit closer next year. Now that uh, he's actually with the organization. Yeah. What interests me a lot is the, uh, the fact that he did spend some time in the ECHL. And I think we're seeing a lot more guys come out of the ECHL, um, you know, a league that's not always been known to, to develop, you know, NHL caliber players on the regular and, and they always kind of pique your interest because you want to see, you know, what they're going to do at the NHL level, what they're going to do at the AHL level. And like, like Peter mentioned, he, you know, breaking Josh Levo's record uh, for goal scored by a, by an AHL rookie. Uh, oh, oh, sorry for the, for the Marlies, at least for the yeah, franchise. franchise. Um, like that's, that's, that's some pretty impressive numbers right off the hop. And I mean, stay close to this kid. Cause it, he could be a guy that maybe slips into the lineup at some point and, and is able to contribute on the bottom six role. He's a guy that could, you know, develop properly and within the Leafs system and maybe, maybe find himself, you know, middle six at some point. But um, yeah, I don't, I, I like the signing. I, I think all depth, if you can get a guy that's going to add something to your franchise, I mean, that's, that's what they've done in, in McMahon. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where he goes from here, 25 years old. But I mean, we saw what uh, Michael Bunting did at 26 this year. So mm-hmm. pretty impressive numbers. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to make this episode all about NHL playoffs. Let's get right into the Leafs and the Bolts. Guys, this is going to be a tough, tough first round matchup. And Alex, I saw that you posted the, uh, reposted the clip of Mike Comito coming on the show earlier in the year and 
what was it back in September? And he said, mm-hmm. September 15th. That was the date. September 15th. He's, he, yeah, that's right. Clip it, post it, and we'll talk about it uh, when the time comes. And he, he was very adamant that the Leafs are going to make it past the first round. So I'm just sorry. I'm just going to interrupt oh, right here and say yeah, that if the, if the Leafs do make it past the first round this year, and that's the biggest if in the world, but if they do, Mike Camito is coming back to preview round two. I think oh, that yeah. goes without saying. We have to. Like, yeah, if, he correctly, if he correctly predicts that, we have to bring Mike Camito back. He has to drop everything that he's doing to come out and do an emergency pod. 100%. <laughs> we <laughs> might show up outside of Mike Camito's door if he doesn't answer his DMs. Just, <laughs> hey, we'll show up. We'll, we'll, bring, we'll, we'll bring James and his, uh, and his podcast on wheels with us. Get it set up outside his house with the mics there. We'll be, we'll be good to go. Mike That's Camito, you better Margaritas. be ready for listening. That's yeah. right, some Bobby Margaritas. Bob, have you guys tried those? <laughs> I have. I'm I am going to go to the LCBO this week, nice. and I'm going to get some and give my review. I, you know what? The funny thing is, is I've never had like a traditional margarita before. I tried that, so I had Neither no I. idea what to expect. But it was it actually for a canned for a canned version of it, it tasted pretty good. I liked it. So, anyways, not to get to us try. too off tra- off topic there, but <laughs> yeah. just wanted to just wanted to plug the Bobby Margaritas in real quick. Um. Yeah, but. The if 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 he predicts this one right, not only will we have him back on the show, but on September fifteenth, was it September fifteenth? September fifteenth yeah. next year, we'll send out a tweet saying, "In this day in history, history, this day in history, Mike Camino, NHL historian, projected that the Leafs would overcome the Tampa Bay Lightning, two-time Stanley Cup champion, back to back in the first round of the twenty twenty two NHL playoffs." But, um. Yeah, I mean, Peter, let's let's get right into it because this is going to be this is going to be a tough round. Um, we can talk about the forwards. We can talk about the depth that the Leafs have this year. We can talk about how they've improved their blue line. But when it comes down to goaltending, it's now going to be Jack Campbell versus Andre Vasilevsky. And we know what Vasilevsky has been able to do over his career. Mm-hmm. We've seen what he's been able to accomplish. We know the numbers that he's put up on on a consistent basis. Um, and then we know what Jack Campbell's capable of. Um, we also know what Jack Campbell is capable of doing when, you know, he's not on his game. And we've seen a little bit of that this year. When we talk about the goaltending in this series, what will you be looking for from Jack Campbell? And can the, the Maple Leafs overcome a goaltender uh, with the stat pack that Andre Vasilevsky brings? Ah, oh, well, first things first, this is going to be a goaltending duel between Campbell and Vasilevsky. Um, I, I'm having an article come out very soon about five factors that the Maple Leafs will beat the Light- Tampa Bay Lightning if, and I go on the list five things. And one of the things I'm talking about is Campbell outdueling Vasilevsky. Uh, in November 4th, when Tampa Bay first came to Toronto, 2-1 win. Campbell, I believe, had a 960 save percentage in that game. The second time he faced them in Tampa Bay, Campbell had a 941 save percentage. So he was able to put up a save percentage of 940 in two plus and two outings against Tampa Bay in the games that he played in. To me, that just looks like a goalie that is able to compete and outmatch his opponent that's across the that's across the rink. If he's able to just have that kind of goaltending that we expected to have him have 
where he has like a 2.2, 2.3 goals against a 9.15, 9.20 save percentage, then I think it's going to be very clear that if he's on his game, he's going to be on his game. And Alex can attest to this too when we were talking about this on the Maple Leafs Lounge. He said the exact same thing. Um, if Jack Campbell is on a heater and he's in the zone, it's tough to beat him. And you're looking at the numbers that he has in his last four starts, 931, 949, 914, 100, save percentage. I, you could argue that three of those four teams are out of, way out of the playoff picture. Yeah, rightfully so. But they were, you know, playing with a lot, on, not with anything on the line, but they were trying to play spoiler and play at their best. And they gave Toronto a really good run um, in those games. I mean, the shots that he faced were 29 for the Islanders, 39 for the Flyers, and 20 for the Red Wings. So he's been busy. He's been on his game. And ever since that rib injury, he's looked more comfortable and more in the zone and his mobility increases a little bit better. So if he's able to just have that extra edge and that mileage ahead of Vasilevsky, who's played a lot of hockey the past two, three years, you have, you, you would think that if it, the Maple Leafs do win, it's going to be because of Jack Campbell and his play in the net. Alex, there's a major difference in what we've seen this season, um, not only in Jack Campbell's play altogether, but the fact that Jack Campbell did take some time off to nurse that rib injury. Um, and, and Vasilevsky seems to have played the entire season again for Tampa Bay, having suited up in 63 games. Does that play a factor when we're talking about the playoffs, especially coming from a team that, you know, has won back-to-back championships? I mean, I think – I think it'd be silly to say it doesn't play a factor because the lightning are the lightning and Mm -hmm. you know, you can cut it however way you want. I I actually read a tweet about this earlier and um, as much as I didn't want to agree with it, I did agree with it. It says, you know what, you can talk all you want about how the lightning have sort of faltered a little bit in recent weeks here heading into the playoffs, but it's going to be really hard for me to buy the fact that that's the version of the lightning we're going to see in the playoffs. I think we're going to see the, the lightning that we all know can, can play at the level at, at their highest level. And we we're going to see a version of them that, you know, Montreal saw in 2021 and all the teams they face on to the final saw in that, that year as well. Um, having said that, I, I was saying to Peter on the lounge this morning that the one thing about Jack Campbell is you can't, you obviously you can't really compare their track records because Vasilevsky is an established best goalie in the league. And he, he has been for years now, and we know that he's tur- he's capable of turning into a beast in the playoffs, more even more so than he already is. So you can't compare Campbell to Vasilevsky in that sense. But what you can compare between the two of them is the fact that Campbell also has the ability to go and run like a chicken with his head with his head cut off when he's doing well, and he can he can pick it up and he can go on a big streak. We saw it in 2021 when he when he won those. He set the record for consecutive wins to start a season. He went 11-0-0 to start the season. And I know, I know it's not playoffs. I know that's a regular season achievement. But my point is, Jack Campbell, as much as he doesn't have the resume that Andre Vasilevsky does yet, he does have the ability to turn it on and go on a heater if if he's feeling it. So um, I think the biggest thing for the Leafs and Campbell and sort of comparing those two goalies in this series is going to be that the Leafs give him the best opportunity to win possible. And I said something similar when they were, we were talking about how the Leafs needed to get Peter Morazic sort of uh, 
needed to get him winning games or on. Obviously we all know how that ended up, but um, if, when you got a guy and you want to get the best performance possible out of him, the Leafs cannot go out there and rely on Jack Campbell to post 930 numbers and kind of say, Hey, listen, we're going to do whatever. As long as our goalie's standing on his head, we'll be fine. So I think as long as the Leafs go out there and put their best foot forward every night and they go out there and um, play relentless against the lightning and give their goalie the best chance possible. I think Campbell's more than capable of shutting the door for them. Uh, but obviously how the team plays in front of him is a big if as of right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Yeah. I mean, worth noting that uh, when it comes to high danger, save, uh, save percentage, uh, Vasilevsky, I believe is, you know, eight twenty three, Um, and, uh, you've got Jack Campbell, who's more around the seven eighty mark. Um, so, I mean, take that for what you will. You're also talking about a goaltender who's seen a lot of high danger opportunities with the Leaf defense that the way it was early on in the season. This is not the same Leaf defense we saw early on in the season. It's not the same Leaf defense we saw to start, um, you know, 2022. Uh, it's, it's, it's a new rejuvenated um, Leafs defense. We've seen um, Timothy Lilligren play some of his best hockey in recent weeks, thanks in large part to the acquisition of uh, Mark Giordano. Um, and, you know, we've seen, we've seen a difference in, in outcome based on what the Leafs have been able to do. Now, remember, too, that the numbers between these two teams in the regular season are slightly inflated with Tampa having won that that most recent uh, uh, matchup, 8-1, I believe, that was the final 8-1. So yeah. um, their numbers are inflated. But aside from that 8-1 victory, I mean, the teams are pretty close in terms of what they've been able to do. Toronto's held them, held their own against the, you know, the best in the Atlantic uh, all season long. And this could be the perfect matchup for them because we've talked on a number of occasions this season about how Toronto plays down to their competition. You don't want a team like, and and this is no discredit to what Boston's done this season, but Boston's not the same team as a Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning have the depth. The Tampa Bay Lightning have, um, you know, so much experience over the last couple of seasons, even, even their acquisition of Corey Perry, a guy that they saw in the Stanley cup final last season. Now he's over playing Stanley cup playoffs again for, for the, the lightning as, as a depth forward. Um, there's a lot of experience there. And I think this is the best opportunity for Toronto to get past the first round and really play. Um, you know, we, we talked about, in the COVID year where it was the all Canadian matchup. And that was the Toronto's best year of making a Stanley cup run. I truly believe that if they can get past Tampa Bay in the first round, this is going to be a solid opportunity for the Maple Leafs to actually do well and, and, and put on a long run. 100%. And I am a true believer in, in the fatigue factor. I am a true believer in the fact that not only did Vasilevsky play 63 games this year, but you're talking about a goaltender who has played so much hockey over the last three years. And if you talk about the season prior to this, prior to this season, if you talk about the two previous seasons, those were compacted into what a year and a half. And you're playing, you were playing game after game, after game, after game. And at the time Tampa didn't have a legitimate backup. They were playing 
Like this was their guy and he played a lot of hockey. And I truly believe that, you know, when you get to that point, you're going to see, you're going to see a decline in what he's able to do. And now you're talking about uh, a Leafs team that, that has had an opportunity to rest some of their star players. Marner Matthews were the two sitting in that dressing room at the end of that Amazon prime uh, all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Campbell knows what it's going to take. Jason Spets is on likely, likely his last year with the Leafs based on the depth that they have coming up in the pipeline. Wayne Simmons, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely on the back nine. So you, Mark Giordano, another perfect example of a guy that might not get another run. These are guys that are, are hungry. These are guys that need to get it done. They know what heartbreak is. They've lived, they've lived an off season with Leaf Nation after not getting done what they should have done against a weaker Montreal team. I, I, I you want to talk about goaltending? Vasilevsky is easily, easily the better goalie. But it's who's going to be the better goalie in these seven games. And I think, like you guys said, if if Jack Campbell can put turn it on for for a seven game series, this is this is this is the time to do it. Go on a run, mentally strong. Um, you know, try try and find ways to make sure you're 100. percent Because at the end of the day, the Leafs don't have another option right now. It's Jack Campbell or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think if it comes down to goaltending, it's gonna it's gonna you know it, we're gonna go the way that Jack Campbell goes. Simple as that. Yeah. I'm going to throw this in there. Um, you know, granted it wasn't back-to-back cups, but the Chicago Blackhawks from 2012 to 2014, they made they won two cups and made the conference finals in 2013-14. That's a lot of deep runs for a team. Lost in the first round in 2015-16, started to struggle and we know the situation that they're in right now. Pittsburgh Penguins won back-to-back Lost in the second round in 2017-18. Managed to get out of the first round, but have since struggled to make get past the first round. So I'm wondering, I'm not trying to you know, say that the same thing is going to happen to Tampa because their team is still deep, still strong, have a lot of their core players intact. Is there going to see, are we going to see a trend where back-to-back champs, are they going to still have enough energy in the tank to make a deep run? I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say that it's inevitable though, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's like it with anything you have, you have, when, it, when is the last time you've seen um, any, any franchise in professional sports go, go three in a row? Um, it, it just becomes such a difficult thing to do when you're playing that much over that much, that, that compacted time. And then on top of that, your off season is all about training and getting ready for the following season. Mm-hmm. Like these guys mentally need to need a break as well. You're go, go, go all season. You're traveling. You're not with your family, whatever it all, it all plays that role. And I, I do think that there is, there is going to be in a fatigue factor. Maybe it doesn't come in the first round. Maybe Toronto's up against a, t- a tough Washington or tough uh, Tampa Bay team. But um, I, I do think it, you're going to see that over time. Uh, with with the lightning uh, in this in this particular playoff, but um, aside from goaltending, there's some injuries that we obviously have to talk about. 
Fortunately for the Lightning this year, they're not going in $18 million over the cap because Kucherov was able to play most of, the, most of the tail end of the season. The Leafs, however, were without Michael Bunting for a few games. Um, obviously, Andre Kasha, uh, what he's been dealing with with the concussions once again, that's, uh, that's scary. You know, he, he was kind of um, – he was in a regular practice jersey today. I believe Michael Bunting was too, but he left a little bit early mm-hmm. at practice. Um, and then obviously you have to worry about Muzzin, his head injuries, um, you know, JT with a little PTSD after last season, the way he ended, uh, and then Matthews obviously playing with, with whatever has been nagging him over the last little bit, but Alex, I'll throw it to you first, uh, injury wise, are the Leafs, do the Leafs have to worry too much when it comes to bunting and Kasha? I mean, this is the time of year where, you know, you hear all the injuries that come out after playoff time. Is it almost guaranteed that you'll at least see Bunting? Maybe we talk about Andre Kasha returning to the lineup for for round one. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think Kasha's he was practicing with the team today, so and I, so I think he is returning for, line. for game one. Yeah, he's been playing on the second line with McKay and Tavares, which is going to be a very annoying line for Tampa Bay to take care of. Which I'm I'm looking forward to watching those guys in action. Uh, in terms of Bunting, I. I I feel like he'll probably miss tomorrow's game since he didn't get the practice in, but I don't know if Bunting will be held out for too much longer. Um, Truthfully, I'm not too worried about the Leafs injury situation heading into the playoffs. Um, When Bunting and Kasha are your main guys, and I'm not including Sandine here because I don't know if he's going to be on the defensive core even when it's fully healthy, at least not to start the series. But um, when your biggest injury concerns are Kasha and – and uh, my and Michael Bunting, and both of those guys appear at least to be ready to come back. They're practicing in regular jerseys. I'm not really worried about the injury situation. And if one of those guys obviously isn't good enough to go, you've got you've got a uh, a cycle of fourth liners that you can sub in, and obviously not right sub into that top six to take over their roles. But you you've got guys that you can you can look to to fill in the gaps. I mean, I saw some people that were kind of that were kind of freaking out on, on the Leafs lines today because they were, they had Jason Spezza scratched and Clifford and Simmons both in. And it's like, you know, I, as much as it sucks to see Jason Spezza scratched, uh, Simmons and Clifford admittedly have looked a lot better than I thought they would over the past mm-hmm. couple of, couple of weeks. And uh, I think that starting those guys, if you guys saw Sheldon Keefe's quote, where he said that he, he anticipates the series will be uh, what, what was it? Violence. He said it would, it'll be physical, borderline violent yeah. at times. To me, it sounds like he's getting ready for that by putting Clifford and Simmons into the lineup for game you have one. To. And I, I think that, you know, you at a certain point, you don't want to um, play into that mentality too, too much. I don't want the Leafs to lose sight of their, uh, of their brand of being built as an offensively driven team and scoring goals and playing the, playing that skill game because that's what they're known to do and that's how they play their best hockey. But at the same time, we've seen it in past years. The officials put away the whistles in the playoffs. It's a completely different uh, type of officiating. And if the Leafs, as much as I don't want them to be the guys that, you know, I guess uh, retaliate when, when, when getting, a, when getting uh, messed with and, and, you know, the guys come in and start fucking uh, coming after them and stuff, I don't, I don't want them to retaliate, but at the same time, I do want them to be aware of the situation and the way that the, the way the playoffs are being officiated. And I think the Leafs have a ton of guys who are able to step in and sort of um, 
sort of fill that role and, and, and play to that standard. So based on the injury situation right now, I think, I think with Bunting and Kasha being the only two guys that we're talking about right now and Kasha more than guaranteed to come back tonight and Bunting, um, maybe only missing game one and maybe game two, who knows? I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to have insider knowledge on that, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. And I think that they're, they're in a good position heading into the playoffs on that front. I'm glad you brought up Sandine because he is an interesting, interesting case as well with, with, you know, the lineup being as deep as, as it is now on the back end. He's a guy that, um, you know, quarterback, the second power play unit early on in the season and uh, now finds him as possible, finds himself as possibly one of the odd men out. Um, Peter, what are your thoughts on not only Sandine potentially getting into the lineup in round one, but um, you know, just where the Leafs are at health wise with, uh, with the lineup they ha- they have going into re- uh, puck drop later on tonight, Monday night. In terms of the whole lineup, I don't think anything is too much of a cause for concern. I mean, we saw Jake Muzzin come back. He looked a little bit comfortable, getting a little bit better. We saw that physical edge against the Boston Bruins in the final game. So that he's got that going for him because that's the kind of play that they need, especially from him. Um, yeah, with the defensive situation with Sandy, and I, I think it's sad that he's going to be the odd man out, especially with the way that Giordano has played with Lilligren. Sad, sad to say that, you know, he took his spots, but at the same time, he, he provides the depth and the flexibility that in the case that something does happen, Giordano can move up into the lineup and then Sandy can take over the third spot and play along Lilligren like they have all season or for most of the time. Um. For Bunting and Kasha, I, I, I think that because they're both kind of like day-to-day slash game-time decision, I know Kasha is going to be game-time decision, Bunting still day-to-day. It's still not too much of a cause of concern for me. It, if it was a week-to-week thing, then I'd be a little bit more on edge because these are two key players that have that mentality, that drive, that edge, that ability to get in on the forecheck, that thrive in a playoff matchup. And players like Bunting and Kasha are going to be very key. They're going to be very critical. And to have them miss possibly one game, I can like Alex, I can live without. But maybe when you start to get to that 2-3 mark, that's when, okay, you know what? Everyone's going to have to dig a little bit deeper and play that kind of edge that they have because that's what made them successful. And it's what made each line successful every single time they played. So I'm hoping that everything is all good. The fact that everything is still relatively minor, great, fingers crossed. Let's just keep that way, keep it that way. And if anything does happen in the playoffs where something they don't like happens, then like Alex said, you you got you got Clifford and Simmons who have been playing with more of a bite and edge to their game right now, where we saw what happened and they were mixing it up a lot with Tampa Bay in that eight one thrashing. They have unfinished business. They haven't forgot what happened with what, you know, Pat Maroon was doing and so on and so forth. What Kyle Clifford did grabbing his stick and bopping someone on the head. Um, I, I, I mean, they're going to be into it. They're going to be in their face, just like they're going to be in, in the face of the Leafs. And everyone's just going to be on their toes because anything can happen. But the fact that you have that extra muscle and grit in there, it says a lot. And the, and like Alex said, the fourth line has been playing a lot better lately. Sucks that Spezza may have to sit as a result, but at the same time, you have Colin Blackwell in there that has that two-way presence, plays with that edge despite being a smaller guy. It, 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 that fourth line does scream playoff mentality. 
Look, I think if, if Spezza gets a, a Stanley Cup ring and his name on the cup, I think, you know, he'd be happy to sit out uh, in, in place of – and this is just for this series, right? Like we're talking mm-hmm. about, a you know, we could potentially play a, a more talented, less physical team next round and, and maybe Spezza slots in. But um, I, I agree. I think Clifford and Simmons right now, you need to get them in the lineup. And and it was – I believe uh, Clifford's stick was uh, bopped uh, – Corey Perry on the head. So there you go. <laughs> definitely some some unfinished business there. I think the physicality aspect is going to be huge. I mean, we saw Morgan Riley uh, in in the final game of the regular season go after uh, Nosek Thomas Nosek, uh, yeah. which with, with a little cross check. And and to be honest, I think what's going to play a factor is, is how how games are being officiated. We've seen the difference in in playoff and regular season games, but we've also seen some. I, I some terrible refereeing over over this this regular season in particular, um, and, and league wide, not just not just with the Maple Leafs, but league wide yeah. because I know somebody out there is going to just crucify us for saying you know bad officiating and be associating with the Leafs. Um, but it's 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 going to be interesting to see how this goes, and the Leafs need to play up to whatever they're they kind of get away with. If that means that, you know, Simmons gives somebody an extra little jab in the back, then that's what they need to do because this is going to be a physical team. They've got Pat Maroon, who's ridden the coattails of other players to three straight Stanley Cups. They've gotten uh, – they they have Corey Perry, who's, who's uh, you know, loves to play on the edge and is going to get in Jack Campbell's face. They need to clear him out. They've got the right guys in place. Ilya Labushkin is going to be a major, major factor on the back end. Um, you know, we saw Timothy Lilligren take a huge hit. I believe that was the hit from Nosek that Nosek, uh, yeah. um, it was. Riley responded. They need to have that grit in the lineup to, you know, go after some of these bigger physical specimens on the other, on, on Tampa Bay. Now, that being said, it's worth noting too, that this has been the most physical year for both Matthews and Marner. I believe both of them have reached career highs and hits this season. Um, which just kind of, and, and I had this conversation uh, not long ago with somebody saying that, you know, the way that the way that Matthews has been able to get physically involved over the last two years, we've seen a different, different player and his offensive numbers have risen. His, his points per game, his goals per game has risen. And to me that I believe it's a lot like, like an Alexander Ovechkin where, you know, he's going to get involved physically and it's going to almost liven him up. It's going to piss him off a little bit. He's going to play with a little more piss and vinegar, and he's going to go out there and he's going to score some goals. And that's the kind of Austin Matthews that I want to see in round one. Not to the point that he's engaging with a, like a, a Pat Maroon in in what ends up being you know a, a fight, and he's sitting for five minutes. I, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for a guy who's going to engage. Pat Maroon has the puck. Go out there and hit him. Go out there and lay the body. And if he comes back mm-hmm. at you, you skate away. That, that's all you need to do is you need to engage. And I think the Leafs are at a point now where they're they're going to engage physically. They've got some of their star players who are buying into this mentality. And that will be the interesting p- part to watch over the, over the first couple of games, at least to see, you know, is this the lineup that's going to, that's going to come crashing down on the, on the Tampa Bay lightning. Since the deadline, Mitch Marner ranks six on the team in hits with 34 Tied with Colin Blackwell, one behind Justin Hall, Timothy Lilligren, third with 39, Wayne Simmons, and Ilya Labushkin, number one. 
So, yeah, Mitch Marner's got some fight in him. Matthews has 17 sins, but he he's very timely with his hits. And, yeah, that's that's definitely going to be something to look at. Interesting to see three of the players that the Leafs acquired near the deadline or leading up to the deadline on that list yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Giordano eighth. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's that that's going to be the that's going to be the 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 big presence. But like I said, I think for me, the X factor is going to be the the, the officiating. Um, but I know, I know you guys had your own X factors, and I'm interested to hear, Alex. Let's uh, let's start to you for your X factors of this series. Oh, wow, Andrew, it's almost like I you knew that I just wrote an article titled Three Maple Leafs Who Could Be <laughs> X-Factors Heading Into the Playoffs. <laughs> an article that, in fact, went live this morning at 9.45 a.m. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I've got, well, I've got four X-Factors. I, I put, for one of them, I put two together. But uh, my, my number one X-Factor is Jack Campbell because I think if the Leafs aren't getting good goaltending in the playoffs, they're not going anywhere, especially not against a team like Tampa Bay, who's, I'm sorry, no disrespect to the the Blue Jackets or the Habs because both of those teams eliminated the Leafs in the playoffs. So I don't really have grounds to chirp any of them. But point is, the Leafs are going to have to worry about a little bit more than Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cole Caulfield on offense this year. Uh, they've got to worry about Nikita Kucherov. They've got to worry about Braden Point. They've got to worry about Steven Stamkos. And you know that they've got to worry about Brandon Hagel because I don't care what anybody says about his production during the regular season the writing is on the wall for him to score a big goal in this series. So just, just get that out of the way. So if the Leafs aren't getting good goaltending from Jack Campbell, then I don't think they're going anywhere in this playoffs. So I think right off the bat, and like I said, I'm not saying that that's because Jack Campbell needs to put the team on his back and carry them out of the first round, but he needs to do his job. He needs to be the Jack Campbell. We know he can be so long as he does that and the Leafs score goals, they'll be fine. Second X factors, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. I put these two together because you look at you look at the way that last the last series went. Um, Philip Deneau had one goal and three assists for four points in 22 games during the Habs playoff run. He did not score at all, but what he did do was shut down Matthews and Marner to the point where not only could they not score, but they couldn't even get set up. If you watch that game seven, man, like the, the Habs came out and played such a strong shutdown game. The Leafs couldn't even get any chances generated in the neutral zone or anything like that. So um, if Matthews and Marner don't live up to their contracts and score, and I was saying earlier on the lounge this morning as well, that, you know, everybody is rightfully celebrating Austin Matthews 60 goal season. It's unheard of. We, we, we look back at a time when we were celebrating Phil Kessel scoring 35 goals. So the fact that Matthews has just about doubled that um, it's pretty crazy. To, it's pretty crazy to talk about. And Peter, you pulled up some pretty crazy stats about how Mitch Marner started the season. So slowly still managed to finish top 10 in league scoring. These guys are absolutely unbelievable and nobody is denying that fact of the matter is if they don't do it in the playoffs, I'm sorry, but their their regular season accomplishments are going to be forgotten about pretty quickly. So for a team like the Leafs who, you know, like I said, they brand themselves on being an offensively driven team. One of the best offensive teams in the league. If they can't score goals, then they're not going anywhere. And who better to lead the charge in scoring goals than the guy who just scored fucking 60 of them. And the guy who started slow, but ended up back in the top, in the top 10 in league scoring and scored 35 goals this year of his own. So those two as well. And Forbes, this one is for you. I think that third X factor is going to be David Camp this year. You know, 
I was looking, I was doing some research and I'm obviously, I, I mentioned you there because you wrote that article back in December on how David Camp was possibly the most important signing of the Maple Leafs offseason. Camp, I looked at his hockey reference, D-zone starts versus O-zone starts. And just to clarify right off the bat that hockey references metric system doesn't account for shifts on the fly or neutral zone draws. So it's just offensive zone versus defensive zone. He led the Leafs in defensive zone starts. Uh, with about 75% compared to just under 25% in the offensive zone. Not only that, but he leads every single Leafs player except for Jake Muzzin in penalty kill ice time. Do you know how crazy that is? The fact that he he's on the ice for, for the penalty kill more than all but one of the Leafs defensemen and all the forwards. That's just – because typically when you look at, you know, the ice time spread for players who – spend time on the penalty kill. Usually the top five on the team, there's at least three defensemen in there because the D the D men go out there. Um, and typically, you know, when you look at the forwards, you've got more of a crop to choose from. Whereas for your defensemen, you're, you're, you're typically trotting out the same four guys every single time. So the fact that David camp has more ice time, more average time on ice than everybody on the team, except for Jake Muzzin says a lot about how the Leafs think of him defensively. And like I said, we watched what Philip Deneau did to Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner last year. And now the Leafs are going up against a team where, like I said, they're going to have to worry about guys who are more skilled than Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And it's going to be it, – it, David Camp is going to be a huge part of that. You know, they, they signed him and nobody knew who this guy was. I, I had to read a Jack Hahn article about him to figure out why everybody was – well, not why everybody, but why the Leafs were so invested in this guy whose uh, analytic charts were full of red instead of blue. And look at him. He's been, he's been amazing this year as their, de- as their defensive specialist, third-line center. They're going to be using him on the penalty kill, and they're going to be using him against Tampa Bay's top guns. So in terms of X factors, those are my guys. And I, if you didn't read my article, then I just spoiled the entire thing for you. So, um, yeah, you've got Matthews and Marner, you've got Campbell, and you've got David Kemp. And uh, if you guys have any other X factors, I'm interested to hear them, but those are mine. First off, head over to the Hockey Writers and check out Alex's uh, article because, guys, we don't just come here and talk every week. We, we we write for the Hockey Writers as well, and we've got a lot of good insight, even though some of the commenters repeatedly come back and just trash us for, for just, you know, being – bums that sit in our basements and write articles so anyways um but peter uh, i'll never forget when the guy this guy told me to touch grass because i wrote an article about why the leafs should sign brandon sod in the offseason he's like man you know there are other things you can do you can play guitar and he didn't obviously know that i actually do play guitar which was pretty funny you can go to the beach you can go out play some sports and this was all because in like early june i wrote an article about why uh, Brandon Saad would be a good addition to this team. So that's, that's just to give you an insight of some of the, what some of the commenters say to us, but anyways, sorry, I just wanted to put that. Oh, absolutely. Head over there funny. and comment as well, folks comment and tell us what we should be doing instead of writing. <laughs> call, us, call us idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Call us yeah, idiots. Make it. us cry. <laughs> Peter, any, any different X factors that come up for you as we head into this, uh, this, uh, first round series? Two, and they're going to be more team-oriented aspects. Um, depth scoring. Um, obviously, both the Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay, they match up fairly well offensively, both top six and bottom six. I was looking at like production from their bottom six or players that could be in their bottom six. They got about five or six guys that you know 
can really put the puck in the net, especially with the addition of Brandon Hagel uh, and Nick Paul that fills out their secondary scoring. Maple Leafs have five or six guys that can do the exact same thing. You know, you have Ilya McKayev that led the team with 21 goals. Well, not no, sorry, didn't lead the team in goals. That was awesome. Matthews was 60, but yeah, I had to correct myself there. I mean, he he led the bottom six or those middle-type pack of players with um, 21 goals. You saw the production from Pierre Engvall, Andre Kasha, David Camp, Jason Spezza, Colin Blackwell. Those guys hit double digits. So to me, if Toronto's bottom six or like, you know, middle six depth players can find that bit of an edge because they are a quicker team or they can be a quicker team more so than Tampa Bay. We saw Pierre Engvall break on that breakaway in the first, on the April 4th game and then just snipe one pass Andre Vasilevsky. This team is quick. That third line is quick. The fourth line is quick when they want to be. If they have that going for them, edge Maple Leafs. And I think that obviously Wayne Simmons said that the depth in the bottom six is going to be key factors. It always is. He might be right or he is right because the depth always prevails in the playoffs. Second, it's going to be the penalty kill or power kill or whatever you want to call it because Toronto led the league or tied for third, tied for first with Florida and Edmonton with 12 shorthanded goals for. And I believe Ilya Mikheyev led that department as well. You had Mitch Marner chip in. You had Pierre Engvall chip in as well with some goals for on when they're down a man. You have to worry about Tampa's power play. But teams need to worry about the penalty kill and how quick of a transitional team the Maple Leafs are going from defense to offense because they can turn you, turn you inside out in a flash because they smother the puck carrier at times because they can create turnovers with getting into the shooting lanes and, block, and intercepting passes. If that's, on, if that's on their game and they're able to generate offense more so than Tampa Bay's penalty kill, because I believe Tampa Bay has only scored has scored seven shorthanded goals, and that's just outside the top ten. Toronto was first. If the penalty kill is going and they're able to produce, advantage Toronto. I think so. For me, I, I like the team oriented thought as well. Um, for me, I think one guy that's really going to stand out is is going to be. Uh, um, I think. Mark Giordano is going to be one because he's going to play mm-hmm. that bottom six, uh, bot- sorry, bottom pairing minutes with Lilligren. I think he's really going to make a difference on that back end um, in terms of, I mean, we've seen it over over this last little stint of the regular season as well, what he's been able to add to Timothy Lilligren's uh, game. And I think if you keep them together, we're going to see a, a solid bottom pairing, which is exactly what the Leafs have needed over the last few years. Um, but I'm going to stick with the D and I'm going to say Jake Muzzin. And the reason I say Jake Muzzin is because, I mean, I think we can all attest to the fact that when he's gone down the the last couple of years in the playoffs, this team is not the same team. Um, I think Jake Muzzin adds so much to the the, the back end. He adds that grit. Even in the, the final game of the regular season against Boston, he throw he he threw a massive hit along the wall. I forget who it was against. Um, but it was just a massive hit. And if he can engage physically, he's not the quickest guy. He's your stay at home, um, you know, play the back end, play his own zone. If he can play that role, I think we've got a very solid, um, you know, second pair defenseman on, on, in Jake Muzzin. 
even with the, the the head injuries that he's dealing with right now, I think he's a guy that can really make a difference. The other guy I'm going to say is, is John Tavares, John Tavares. And I, I mean, for, for obvious reasons, he needs to have a bounce back playoff. Um, you know, we, we, what happened last year, freak accident, um, really changed the, the, uh, the route for the, the Maple Leafs when it, when he went down. Um, but I, I think this is a guy who's been criticized all season long for his, his offensive output. Um, for, for, I, I don't know why he was like, I don't know the reason behind all the criticisms because he did play a, a very quiet, uh, solid regular season. Um, but he's a guy that can really, you know, change the outcome of the games as well. He's a guy that, you know, plays kind of tight in front of the nets. Uh, he's out there tipping pucks all the time. Like he's a guy that can get you some crazy deflections in front of the net. John Tavares for me is going to be one of the major X factors. You need that scoring from your second line. He's that guy that they need to, to really get things going. I think Matthews and Martin are going to have solid post seasons. I think John Tavares is the guy that people need to keep their eyes on. So um, Forbes, I'm really glad that you brought up Jake Muzzin there because I, I do want to pull up a tweet here real quick. Um, shout out to my former, uh, former fan-sided colleague, Kyle Cushman. Uh, he tweets, small sample, but Muzzin Brody were at 75.5, five versus five. Jesus Christ, I'm going to restart that. I'm sorry. <laughs> small sample, but Muzzin Brody were at 75.5% five on five Corsi four pairing in April. They'll come back down to earth, but if they can be a legit shutdown pairing for the Leafs, that's potentially a huge difference maker in the first round. Mm-hmm. I, I've been saying this right from the very beginning, that if you're bringing well, – from the very beginning, meaning ever since Jake Muslin came back from injury, which was about three weeks ago. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> I think that if you're bringing Jake Muzzin back into the lineup, um, you need to put him with TJ Brody. You can't put him anywhere else because TJ Brody is the one guy on that defensive core who you can put anybody with him and he'll make them look better than they are. And he did it with Justin Hall, did it with Morgan Riley, obviously. And Jake Muzzin is a guy, Forbes, you just finished talking about how much of a game changer it'll be if he comes back and he can, and he can step up and be the Jake Muzzin that the Leafs traded for in 2019. Um, how huge that'll be for the team. And there's no better way to get him back to that point than by playing him with TJ Brody. And I think for the record, obviously Kyle's tweet there, uh, the numbers back it up, but that pairing has looked really good recently. And I think you got to keep those two together in the playoffs and hopefully it brings the best out of Jake Muzzin because a healthy and, you know, Jake Muzzin, uh, a healthy Jake Muzzin who doesn't have any confidence issues or anything like that, who's just going out there and playing the game that the Leafs acquired back in 2019 would be such a massive game changer for them on the back end. So play him with Brody. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, I think for me anyways, the pairings are set. Riley Lubushkin, uh, Muzzin and Brody, and then Lilligren and uh, Gio on the back, uh, back end of that, uh, that three pairings there. So um, we'll see what the Leafs decide as like, I, like we've mentioned before, we're getting getting a puck drop later on tonight. Um, but before we throw out our predictions for this series, boys, I, I want to ask you one question leading into it, your prediction. Is all the pressure on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Think about that for a second and come at me with your predictions. Alex, I'm going to throw it to you first. Is all the pressure on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, I would say that there's a good amount of pressure on them. Yes. I don't know if I'd say all the pressure, but 
you know, I, I think the one thing that really makes this seem like a lot bigger of a deal than it maybe is, and the reason that maybe there is this much pressure on them, is because they haven't shown any signs of progress since they since this core of uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Martin and those guys. Um, and you know, we've had this conversation a million times. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna expand too too much on it because I'd just be repeating things that I've said a million times already, but. I think it'd be a little different if it was like, okay, first round loss, second round loss, first round loss, conference finals loss, first round loss, et cetera. If there was a little bit more variety in the way they were losing, but the fact that this core has been intact for going on six years now, and they've been eliminated from the first round each time. I think that because of that, there is extra pressure on them. But at the same time, I will stand by the notion that if the Leafs make it out of the first round, and they, they move on to the second round, I don't think we'll ever be having this conversation again. Un- unless they go back and then they, they lose in the first round another five years in a row. And maybe we will. But at least for the time being, I think that getting that monkey off the back and getting out of the first round is will, will be okay. Because, you know, we talk about, for example, the Washington Capitals and how Alex Ovechkin, you know, he was, he was drafted in 2004. Caps didn't win a Stanley Cup with him until 2018. So these things take time. You can't just pull a Stanley Cup out of your ass. They don't just come out of nowhere. But the Caps were making it to the second round at the very least. They were making progress. They proved that they could win a round. It was just a matter of getting over that hump of playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. So basically where we're at right now, I think that as long as the Leafs get out of the first round, we won't be talking about how much pressure they're under to do this in the future. They just got to get that monkey off their back. So because of that sole reason, I think that there's a mountain of pressure on them right now just to get out of the first round. But if they do, then I think, I think everybody will kind of just be along for the ride. Like, okay, they got out of the first round. If they, if they get eliminated second round, that sucks. But you know what? They got the monkey off their back. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. So with that said, I'm going to take your prediction on the Leafs lightning first round series. <laughs> oh, Forbes, come on, man. <laughs> uh, my prediction is Leafs and six. It's on okay. the record right now. And I say Leafs and six only because Charles Barkley guaranteed <laughs> that the Leafs would win around this year. So if he didn't say that, I might be saying I might be saying bolts and seven. But as of right now, I think that I I think just hearing the way they've been talking this year, I Sue me, I'm I'm believing them in again. I shouldn't be, but I am. And I'll it's be sitting here looking, I'll I'll be sitting here looking like a fucking clown if <laughs> if they get eliminated in the first round again. But I, I I do, you know, hearing all these things that you said, Forbes, about how possibly the last kick at the can for Spezza, possibly the last kick at the can for Giordano. Um, guys are starting to realize that you know what? Like even the individual accomplishments they they were they were ignoring and they were they were they're saying, listen, that's great. Yeah, Matthew's, Matthew's like, yeah, it's great. I scored 60 goals, but, like, there's more work to be done. And he wasn't saying things like that last year. So um, I'm really, really hoping and choosing to believe that that all the scrutiny they took over the offseason and stuff and, uh, and the criticism they took from the media and the fans alike, I'm really choosing to believe that that's actually resonated with them and they're going to come out and put their best foot forward. And I think that as long as they pounce early and just keep the momentum going, then they'll be fine. But that's that's where I'll leave it. Leafs in six. Peter, did you have anything to add to the pressure talk? Um, if not, we'll get right into your uh, your prediction as well. 
Um, no, I, I totally agree with Alex. I mean, I, at some point, they have to finally realize that they can't keep on losing. They can't keep having these results, these poor efforts. And like we, like we said, we, we saw Matthews and Marner at the end of R nothing in, in, in the locker room, just sitting at their cells with their equipment and their heads are down and they just look absolutely just gutted with what just happened. I don't think they want to have that feeling anymore. I don't think anyone on that team wants to have that feeling on uh, anymore. And until they're able to do that, there's going to be a lot of pressure. But I think now with what they said, what they've done to this point, the way that Keith said that this mentality has changed from the beginning of the season till now, you have to think that, you know, this is it. This is their moment. This is the, this is basically the last dance kind of thing without the championship to try and make a point because you can't keep doing this. And if at some point you don't, you keep, you, you keep faltering under pressure and you can't handle it. Something's got to give. So I think this is going to be the last time, but I think this team, like Alex said, can do it and I'm going to stick with it. And I'm going to say least in seven and not just because Mike Camito guaranteed that the Maple Leafs will win around. I'm going with Mike Camito, not Charles Barkley, no offensive Chuck, but um, a golf swings off. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because Mike said it, but even because Charles said it, why not? Um, I, I think this is the year where they exercise their demons in the Peter, playoffs. I will say that you're very bold to have them winning a game seven. That's the only reason <laughs> I picked game in six. Cause I it's got a game seven. I don't know if I can trust it's that. It's got to happen at some point. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to. Absolutely. Uh, it, Absolutely. It, it does have to happen. And, and I'm going to say this with the pressure talk. I, 100% the pressure is on the Leafs. There's there's no question. I Anybody that says opposite is, is nuts. My <laughs> one thing is that they need to find a way to make it not about the pressure. They need to mm-hmm. take that out of their heads. They need to say, look, forget the pressure. Forget for a second. Mm-hmm. Forget Leafs Nation. Forget that we're playing for these guys and let's play for the guys in the room. And the guys in the room are the ones that, you know, matter. Let's get this done for, for, for us, for, for Matthews, for Marner, for Jack Campbell, who's, who's struggled with confidence his entire NHL career for a guy like Spetson. Let's get it done for us. And they need to take that pressure out of their heads. It's not about anybody else. It's not about what the Toronto media is going to say about you afterwards. It's not about all this trade talk and shout out old prof for just throwing out the trade Nylander talk already prior to the prior to playoffs. <laughs> um, but it's not about that. It's about finding a way to take that pressure off you. This is a hockey game. You take it one game at a time. You don't think about the next game and you make sure you get the job done in those 60 minutes. And that's, that's all it is. If they can do that, I truly, 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 and it is a disease. I truly, truly believe that they can get it done. And I want to sit here and say that the Leafs in five, I really do. Oh, I'm not going to. That's a shocker. Okay. 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 You had me for a second. You had me for a second. I really really believe that if they can play at at the top of their game, which they've shown you know, at, at the high points of this season that they could, they could win this series in five. I really do, because I do think that fatigue factor is going to come in. I like, there's no question the the Tampa Bay lightning aren't the same, same Tampa Bay lightning that their third line isn't playoff tested the way that it has been in the past. And 
you're talking about a core of players that are getting a little bit older. They're, you know, McDonough's not the same McDonough. Stamkos isn't the same Stamkos. They're playing great hockey. Scoring is also up this year. Their numbers are inflated the same way that every other player in this league, their numbers were inflated this year. Chris Kreider's not a 40 goal scorer. I'm sorry. He's not a 40 goal scorer. Um, and that, that, to me, that's kind of telling of where this team is at as well. But with that, I'm going to go along with Alex here. I do think the Leafs make it out of the first round. I think it's in six. I think Toronto takes the first two games at home. I think they split in Tampa. And I think Tampa takes one more game out of, you know, game five and six uh, to make it six. But um, yeah, Toronto in six for me. Aside from that, boys, that's it for our Leafs lightning talk. Uh, we are going to get into the other playoff rounds or playoff series real quick. We're going to talk about our, our picks uh, very, very quickly. But before we do, um, of course, our ad read from the folks over at DraftKings. Uh, thank you again for, for supporting us on the podcast. Um, with that, DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino is coming soon to Ontario. It is here in Ontario. Soon you'll be able to legally bet on all your favorite sports, ranging from UFC to hockey to playoff hoops and so much more. And that's not all. What if we told you that the hottest new casino will be available right from your phone? DraftKings has all the latest features and promotions, ranging from daily odds, boosts to bet-in-class casino games, and so much more. Soon you'll be able to place the same game parlay, score daily odds boosts, and play your favorite slots games anytime, anywhere in the province. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Get excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino is on the way. While you wait, check out DraftKings now and tell them that we here at the podcast sent you by using promo code SIT6. That's como, promo code SIT6, S-I-T-6, DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino coming soon to Ontario. Gambling problems? Call 1-866-531-2600. 19 plus to, be, to play. Physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Subject to successful AGCO registration and execution of an operating agreement with iGaming Ontario. And boys, uh, with that, I, I, I do have to mention, I have been, I've been all over the sports books, you know, coming into Ontario, a lot of, lot of different sports books coming in. Obviously, DraftKings, use DraftKings, use SIT6 when you sign up for extra exclusive promos. Um, but tonight, hit a nice six game, or sorry, six picker in-game parlay for 130 bucks on the Golden State uh, game. So nice. thank you to Gary Payton the second for his six and a half points, Ooh. and thank you for jo- thank you to John Morant for uh, for his uh, double double as well. He was well done. boys. I got to tell you, nice. 34 nine and nine with a minute left. I needed one rebound or one assist, and uh, he got it done. So a nice little 130 in the pocket. So Came can't complain clutch. about that. Um, but with that, boys, let's close this episode out with uh, some quick playoff hits here. Uh, Florida, let's stick in the Eastern Conference, Florida, Washington. Uh, Peter, let's start to you first. Um, yeah, I, 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 I where, where am I? 
I, I, I had my list up. Okay, here we go. I got, I got my list up. Um, I got Florida and five. Um, I, I, Florida is just too dominant of a team. Um, they're the comeback cats for a reason. They come back from multiple games, I believe, in their series against Washington in the season series. They were all one goal games, and Florida won two out of the three. So I'm, I'm going with them because, yeah, I, I and also with their goaltending in Vanacek and Samsonov, um, at times they haven't been there. So I, 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 I have confidence that Florida will be able to take care of them. And also Air Neckblad is possibly coming back. So big boost for them. Absolutely. Alex, what do you got for Florida, Washington? You want to hear my hot take? I've got Washington and seven. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I love think it. I, I'm not going to lie. And you know what? Maybe this is just me being a little bit bitter about, about the fact that, you know, Florida hasn't won a playoff round since 1996, and yet everybody's talking about them like they're going to be this this fucking stalwart that's going to go all the way, and every single team is going to have to bow down to them because they are the most dominant team in the entire league, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think that Florida is an incredible hockey team, and I think they've proved that this season, but I do think that they're going to get a little bit of reality check in these, in these playoffs here. Um, I might be completely wrong. Probably will be. I think I guessed like three out of the eight first round series correctly last year. So there's a great chance that this will completely flop, but I don't know. I, I think Florida, I think Florida is a team that relied a lot on the power play and also a lot on three on three overtime. So I think Washington's a team as well who they can sort of always be one of those teams that that'll give you a hard time in the playoffs, no matter who they've got on the roster, as long as, as, as long as they've got their OV backstrom core, I think they're always going to be um, a team that's hard to get out in the playoffs. And I think that's going to be a hard fought series. I'm going bold. I'm going to say Washington and seven. I thought I was going to be the only one. Really? I'm, I'm going Washington and six. And, oh, and the reason right. being, the reason being, I agree with you that I don't think there's enough, enough playoff experience when it comes to uh, Florida. I don't think they're a playoff built team. Um, I, I think Bobrovsky has had an incredible year. I think he's going to flounder in the playoffs. I don't think Spencer Knight's tr- ready to take on that role. Um, well, I do think the goaltending in Washington is a little bit questionable. Um, I mean, you're talking about easily one of the greatest goal scorers to ever play the game in, in Alex Ovechkin. Uh, TJ Oshie's having a year. Um, and John Carlson is, is, I mean, John Carlson's John Carlson, what he's done over his career. You can't, uh, you can't really, you know, top that right now, but I, I just think Washington, Washington has this kind of closeness that you don't see in a lot of teams. And, and I'm not sure Florida's there just yet. So I'm going to say Washington in six. I think uh, I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hard fought battle. I, and no discredit to what what Florida's done, but I think sitting all your players and losing 10-2 or whatever it was in that final game against Montreal, yeah. I do think that plays a factor. I, I I I know everyone's gonna say, well, none of their best players were playing. I do think the confidence of losing a ten two game is just it, it's a kick in the balls. It's a kick in the balls to see your team go down ten two. Um, so yeah, Washington in six also didn't take this into account president's trophy curse president's trophy curse look at the history of that it's yo it's Mm -hmm. it's real it's actually a legit thing yeah (laughs) um 
I'll start with the Carolina Boston series. Um, I hate Boston because uh, you know, I'm a Leaf fan. So <laughs> tell us um, how you really feel. Yeah, I just I'm not. I, I just don't think they have the same depth that that we're yeah. used to seeing. Um, Felino kind of has been exactly what he was for Toronto after they acquired him. Hasn't done much. DeBrusque is is so hit and miss. Uh, he's also a guy that's got one foot out the door. Um, and, and I just don't think they have that that physicality on the back end like they used to when they had like Kevin Millar and um, uh, you know Zidane Ochar and all that. And and Swayman, I mean, solid goaltender, had an incredible year. Are him and Linus Olmark really the ones to get it done? Uh, not not in my books. I think Carolina in five against the Boston Bruins. Alex, what you got? Um, I'm sort of on the same page as you. I think Carol, I think Boston's going to push the six games, but I do have Carolina winning the series overall. Um, I think Carolina's got one of the best teams in the entire league. I love their defensive core and you know, it's going to, it's really going to hurt when Freddie Anderson comes back from injury in round two. And he's, he's not first round Toronto Freddie, but he's second round of beyond Freddie that just takes a new gear and maintains his Vezina <laughs> level play for, for, for the entire playoff run. But on all accounts, I love I love Carolina's team, and in in my in my actual registered playoff bracket, I have Carolina winning the cup this year. I think their defensive core is amazing. I think Freddie Anderson, if he's if he comes back and he hits the ground running, I think um, I think he's a good fit over there for them. And obviously, they've got lots of weapons up front as well. So I think that they're going to win the series in six. Beautiful, and he'll he'll look more and more like Ed Sheeran in round two. So uh, shout out to Freddie, but uh, Peter. Carolina, Boston, who you got? Uh, let's make it a sweep. Carolina in six. Um, oh, you know, I, thought you're, I, I thought you meant like an actual sweep. I thought you were going to say Carolina. No, I four. mean among us, Carolina. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when you have uh, like forwards that are like Sebastian Ajo, Andrei Sveshnikov, Tara Vinen, Trocek, Niederreiter, Slavin on the back end. I'm not going to mention New York, New York Rangers fan. Insert numbers here. Um, but you know, they, they do got a solid, they do got a solid lineup. I mean, it, 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 they, they are built to be a contender. I mean, let's face it. And like you said, Andrew, the fact that they don't have Rask in that, they don't have Tory crew. They don't have Zidane Chara. Um, despite Pasternak, Bergeron and Marshawn still being at the top of their game, the depth still isn't quite there. And the secondary scoring can be hit and miss at times. So, I think that trying to rely on your star players too much is not going to help them out. And also the goaltending is still a question mark. Like I said about no to grass. Swayman, great season, like you said, but just hasn't been there at times. And Carolina in six. And also if you, they Anderson doesn't get past or has the same type of play that he had before. You saw Vanti Ranta and Pure and Piotr uh, Kachekov looked pretty good in his first three games. Should anything happen to the starter and the backup, he could come in and try and hold the fort. Beautiful, beautiful. Last Eastern Conference uh, matchup here. This one's going to be interesting. Uh, Peter, we're going to have you start New York Rangers and Pittsburgh Penguins. Who you got? Rangers in five. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm going to a lot of early rounds or early games instead of like, you know, the original six or seven quite a bit. But I, I, again, I, I know we talked about like how Chris Kreider isn't like a 40 goal scorer. Um, 
But, you know, with the play that uh, Igor Shesterkin has had all season, I think it's going to carry over for them. Adam Fox is just dynamite. Panarin Zibanejad had that chemistry going. They got the depth. Um, Andrew Kopp looked really great as a uh, deadline acquisition. Same with Frank Vitrano. Um, I, they made moves to go all in at the deadline for a deep playoff run. And I think they got it. I think that they were, if they didn't make the moves that they made, they probably would have maybe won one round, but I think this is a team that can go far and Pittsburgh. I, I, I picked them last year to try and win a series and it just backfired. So I'm not picking Pittsburgh anymore. I think the one thing you got to remember there, Peter, is that they're not playing the Islanders this year. The Islanders are the kryptonite. Yeah, that's, the yeah but they're playing the Rangers. Pits. That's that's true. That's true. <laughs> Staying in New York. Staying in New York. Well, <laughs> Alex, what do you got for Pittsburgh, New York? I have Pittsburgh in five over the Rangers. So the polar opposite of what Peter's got there. And I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm feeling a little less confident about this pick because, but I'm I'm still using it because I tweeted it already and it's in writing. Um, but I'm feeling a little less confident about it after I realized that Tristan Jari is going to be out for a while. So that's, that's making me a little less confident about my pick, but at the same time, I get some, uh, I, I get some Toronto Washington, 2016, 17 vibes from this series. I think the Rangers are a great team, I, but I think a lot of their, a, a lot of their players are pretty young. And I think that, I don't know. I just have a hard time believing that they're going to come in and make quick work of a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins who, you know, I know they got eliminated by the Islanders last year, but the Islanders are their kryptonite and Pittsburgh is just a team that every time I bet on them in the past, uh, kind of the opposite of what you said, Peter, every time I bet on Pittsburgh in the past, it's backfired on me or sorry, bet against Pittsburgh in the past, it's backfired on me. So I think Pittsburgh's going to take the, I think Pittsburgh's going to take the series against the Rangers. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens from there. But I, I, I do think that New York's inexperience is sort of going to play a part here. And, you know, Pittsburgh, they're still the same old Penguins with Crosby and Geno up the middle. They've, I, I really like the Ricardo Raquel addition for them. I think they've got, they've got a lot to uh, be excited about on their team. And um, I think they're going to capitalize on the Rangers' sort of inexperience in the postseason with this score. So we'll see. I was I, – I was – having a tough time with this one because I did want to go Pittsburgh. I thought, you know, one last run for, for Crosby, Malkin, Latang as a, as a core. Um, I just don't, I don't see it happening. I've got the Rangers in six and just, I mean, you got Adam Fox on the back end. You got Keandre Miller. Yes. Who's, who's had a, a great season. Uh, Braden Artemi, Schneider looked good. Braden Schneider looked good. Uh, you got Artemi Panarin up front with uh 40 goal scorer, Chris Kreider. Um, you know, it just this team's got everything going for them right now. And, and Shesterkin and Ned, I mean, you want to talk about a heart trophy. This might be the one guy that can take it away from Austin Matthews in my eyes, just because mm-hmm. of the the goaltending stats that he put up this season were were unreal. On a, in a in a season where the like I said, the offensive numbers were inflated, this guy still put up the numbers he did. So, um, yeah, I think Shesterkin's going to steal some games for New York. I think uh, New York in six, though. I'm going to go six. Um, jumping over to the Western Conference, Alex, take it away for Calgary-Dallas. Um, I've got Calgary over six. Jesus, sorry. Calgary over <laughs> Dallas in six. Um, for that taking series. the over? Yes, I'm, take, I'm taking the over. There's going to be at least six goals scored in that entire series. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 think, I think Calgary's one of, if not the best team in, in, in the Western Conference this year. Um, I think Dallas 
is always going to be a team that'll give you at least one or two wins. Um, they just, you know, they went to the Stanley Cup final two years ago. They're not that far removed from that. Um, but I don't think it's going to go any further than six games. I think Calgary is a very, um, very strong team on a lot of fronts this year. And I think they're destined for a pretty long run this year, at least to the second round. Uh, so I would say, so yeah, I would say Calgary over Dallas in six games this year. I'm not, I don't have too much, too much more to elaborate on here. I just, that's, that's my prediction. Peter. Uh, Calgary in five. Um, similar to the Maple Leafs, they got a lot to prove after, you know, having high hopes last season and not even making the playoffs. So the fact that Goudreau had the season that he did, Matthew Kachuk hitting 100 points, um, Markstrom looking solid in that, having a really strong bounce back season, you really can't, you know, not necessarily bet against it because anything can happen, but they look strong. They look determined. They got this new mindset, kind of like the Leafs right now. And chances are they're probably going to be one of Canada's hopes to try and make a deep run, like Alex said. So um, that's my reasoning for Calgary and five. And again, Dallas, they're relying, again, they're relying on one line in Pavelski, Hintz, and Robertson to do all the heavy work. Jamie Benn has been up and down. Tyler Sagan hasn't quite been himself. Uh, I know he's dealt with some injuries in the past. And even goaltending, too. I mean, they, they, they've they had some up-and-down performances this season, so to have that going into the playoffs, it just I, – I don't think it could cut it. I'm going to go Calgary in seven. And uh, I, I think that because I do think that that line of Robertson uh, – Robertson and Hintz together have just been incredible this season. Um, but I, I do think this is the time when Jamie Benn kind of turns it on a little bit. Say again, I mean – He's a guy that you might show up, you might not. I'm not really mm-hmm. sure, but you got Heiskanen on the back end. You got SL and Dell on the back end. Um, and Jake Ottinger, I think, has had quietly a, a good season yeah. for a team that maybe wasn't as good as they should be. Um, and, and we talk about the least veteran presence. Talk about Pavelski and, and a guy that wants to get a cup. Um you know, that, that, that puts a little extra pep. I do think they're still going to go down. I think Calgary takes it. And uh, like you said, I think Calgary is going to be one of the Canada's uh, opportunities to make a deep run in these playoffs. So Calgary in seven, um, jumping over to Edmonton, LA, I'm going to, I'm going to kick this one off and I'm going to say, I'm going to say LA in seven. I'm going to say LA in seven. Um, just too much turmoil in Edmonton this year, uh, whether it was the run-in uh, between uh, Matheson and uh, and Dreisaitl, uh bringing Evander Kane in, uh, who's had an incredible offensive year, uh, but he, you know, he can be a distraction at times. Um, you know, Darnell Nurse isn't 100%. You've got Mike Smith and Koskinen as your goaltenders. I just think there's too many things playing against Edmonton right now. And, you know, Dustin Brown, this is his final run. Um, Anze Kopitar, he's rejuvenated. Drew Doughty, if he comes back, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that can add some, some extra pep in there as well. Trevor Morris having a decent year with the, uh, the Kings as well. But then you got playoff Johnny Quick. So I think, I think Kings in seven, I think they're going to run it. Uh, but it's going to be the Kings that come out on top. Alex, what do you got? I'm so glad. Just like, just like, 
Forbes, you have good taste in underdogs. You know that? <laughs> just like just like you were happy to see that I took Washington over Florida, I've also got LA beating Edmonton, except I've got them doing it in six games. I think they're going to pull out the uh, the exciting home ice upset um, over, the, over the Oilers. And you know what? Like, you make a bunch of great points there about factors working against the Oilers. For me, it really just comes down to I don't like Koskinen and Smith as a tandem in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't. Smith is playing out of his mind right now. Smith is also, what, 40 years old now? 41, I believe. I could be wrong. 41. I think he's 41. He's, he is going to run out of gas. And, you know, maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe this miracle tandem will somehow take him on a run. But I, I, I don't think that that goaltending tandem is good enough to get it done in the playoffs. And you also make a great point about Dustin Brown. And now he's going to, he's going to be going hard, wanting one final run. He's not going, he's going to be retiring after this season. Also factor in the Kings have Philip Deneau. And you know what Philip Deneau is going to, you know who he's going to have a field day with? McDavid and Dreisaitl in Edmonton. So uh, over that, uh, for those reasons, I think LA is probably going to uh, take the series. Should also I don't know mention if they're probably going to. I'm just going to. That's my prediction. Anyway, says go for it. Should also mention Adrian Kempe's had a year. Yeah. Arthur Kaliev's had a year. Gabe Velarde's been you know hit and miss this season as well, but he's a guy that can add a little bit extra. Trevor Moore has had a year. That's Trevor a Moore's had, had a year. year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sean Dursey's had a year, man. Yeah. Sean Dursey. <laughs> enough with these Dursey. ex-Leafs. Enough with these ex-Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Peter, what do you got? Oh, you guys are probably going to hate me for this, but I got Oilers in seven. Um, I do think that I, I totally agree with you about the goaltending situation, Darnell Nurse up being 100%, having to rely too much on McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, I, I do think that the Kings are going to make it interesting. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me that they do win it, but I think that maybe the Oilers do take it. They win one series, but then again, everything comes crashing down at that point. I, I kind, of, kind of feel like a little bit of a sympathy vote for them because if, if LA does win it, then they deserve it for all the reasons that you guys just said, why you picked LA. Should note too, that uh, Mike Smith is 40. Like you said, his, he wears number 41. So little, little mind fuck there, but um, <laughs> if they, if the Oilers do pull it out, your X factor is going to be on the power play. Evan Bouchard, that mm-hmm. kid should have been playing and quarterbacking that power play from the beginning. He's got one hell of a shot. Yep. Um, and, and finds ways to move that puck up the ice, uh, former London Knight, uh, from my hometown Oakville. So he's, he's, a, he's a solid kid and he's going to be an X factor if they do end up pulling that out. But, uh, I don't think they do. Um, Colorado, Nashville. I think it's Peter's turn to take this one away. Uh, I got Colorado in five and it probably would have been a little bit closer if UC Soros didn't go down with that injury and his playoffs were kind of in jeopardy, because I believe it's not looking good for him. I, it may be a little bit short term. It could just be a week to week thing, but he was a staple in that for the Predators to get them to this point in the playoffs. And the fact that he went down with that injury probably dashes all hopes of making a deep run because this roster is built. You saw Duchesne and, um, Ryan Johansson have better seasons, you know, Philip Forsberg, which is absolutely dominant Roman Yossi shout out to Roman Yossi for getting me to a fourth place finish in fantasy hockey. Um, having the kind of season that he has, I think he deserves to win the Norris trophy. 
it's just a shame that it's going to come down to this. And with Colorado getting healthy with Ranton and Landis Cog coming back, Landis Cog coming back. Um, I, I think it's just, it's just too much for them to handle. Alex, what do you got? I've got Colorado in five over Nashville as well. I, uh, Truth be told, I just said uh, Soros going down with an injury. I think Colorado's just got too explosive of a team for Nashville to uh, really take care of. I never really like predicting sweeps in the playoffs because I think that every every team, even the you know the ones that have the odds stacked against them, I think um, I think a lot of the time the sweeps that you see come when nobody's expecting them. I don't think anyone was expecting Winnipeg to sweep Edmonton last year. I don't think anyone was expecting the Blue Jackets to sweep the fucking Lightning three years ago. <laughs> so. I, I, I did I don't call think... the sweep of Colorado and Blues last year. I believe I did call that. There you yes, go. You okay, so that's that's a good yeah. one. That's a good one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I guess I wouldn't have known about that. <laughs> um, so I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't often like calling sweeps because I think that even when the odds are stacked heavily against the underdog, I I, I think, um, I I think they're all. I think. Jeez, like how many more times am I gonna have to try and start the sentence? Um. I think even if you're the underdog and all the odds are stacked against you, the teams are hungry enough for a win and they're hungry enough and feeding off the adrenaline of playoff hockey that they'll be able to scoop together at least two points. Well, I guess not two points in the playoffs, but get pull together a win. So, uh, yeah, I, I, overall, though, I still think Colorado's got the much stronger team than Nashville. I think they get it done in five. After that beautifully formed uh, thought on sweeps and why you don't predict them, I'm going Colorado in four. So, <laughs> um, but why not? It, it's for me, it's, it's just, I think it's, it's such a strong team and, and Colorado basically like last season, they, you know, they, they didn't live up to expectation at all. Um, this was a team that was supposed to win it all. They're the favorite. I think I, I would say they're, they, they have to be one of the favorites going in. Um, and, uh, you know, look at, look at the lineup they have and, you know, uh, if, if Kadri can stay in the lineup, I mean, this is a guy who is top five in league scoring, like midway through the season. Um, you know, he is going to add so much to that kale McCarr on, on the back end. Um, yeah, I mean, Darcy Kemper, like th- this, this lineup's just, just stacked. And I think, you know, losing Saros and, and it's a high ankle sprain. They're talking about probably his, his timeline doesn't even bring him back. I think if they were to go on some kind of run, he, he wouldn't be back in the playoffs. So um, yeah, I, I think Colorado in four, uh, if, 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 you know, national can pull one out great, but um, Colorado is the team to beat in the West for my, for me, Minnesota, St. Louis, Alex, take this one away. So I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how this series plays out because mm-hmm. the blues and the, and the wild have both been on a bit of a heater to end the season. The blues had a nine game winning streak uh, during the month of April and the wild won seven of their last eight games to close out the season. So I think this series is going to be a dogfight. I'm giving it to Minnesota in seven games. I think Minnesota takes it in seven. I think it's like I said, it's going to be a dogfight to the very end, but I really like Minnesota's additions of Mark Andre Fleury between the pipes and then Jacob Middleton to their back end as well. I think those two guys are, are going to be crucial pieces for them throughout this playoff run. And uh, like I said, Minnesota and and St. Louis, they always, they've always had bad blood going up against each other. And it's going to be a really exciting series. Probably the one I'm going to be focused on most in the Western conference besides uh, Edmonton and LA. 
Um, and I don't think it's going to come easy. Honestly, I think it could go either way. I think St. Louis could uh, could win in seven games. But I do think over anything else, I think the series is going to go to seven games unless one team really falters. So Minnesota in seven for me. Peter, what do you got? Minnesota in six. And I'm just going to probably do a Bob McKenzie short answer. Kirill the throw show. Love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I got I got Minnesota in six as well. Um I mean, you mentioned it, Kirill Kaprasov. He's going to be he's going to be a huge factor. I think Mark Andre Fleury is going to be a factor. I think Matt Boldy is going to be a major factor in this series. Yes. Um, yes. I, I'm so excited to see what he does in the playoffs. Um, and I think I think Marcus Foligno is going to be like the main physical point of this series. I think he's going to tear down some some St. Louis Blues, and I think that's going to be the difference maker in this series. Minnesota in six. Um, so anyways, boys, we, we will check back on those picks as we clear the first round board, uh, in the, in the coming weeks. But, um, before we close out episode 81, did you guys want to add anything, anything coming uh, to the hockey writers, anything that's coming uh, your way in the next week, uh, that maybe you want to talk about? Um, I think because the fact that the playoffs have started, my content, my written content for the hockey writers is not really scheduled right now. It's probably going to. I'm probably going to decide topics to write about as kind of the series goes along. However, I do want to take a second to plug the passion pledge. Mm-hmm. Had this idea yesterday or two days ago, I guess, if you're listening to this on Monday, um, I've seen a lot of this whole passion thing going around Leafs Twitter, which has been kind of making me laugh because their old slogan, obviously was the passion that unites us all. And people are changing their Twitter names. I don't know if you guys are noticing, but they're changing their Twitter names to include passion in them. All these Leafs fans are talking about how much they have the passion. So I came up with this idea to pledge $5 for each Leafs playoff win and all the proceeds in the end will go towards the John Tavares foundation, which um, strives to ensure that kids eat healthy and are getting proper exercise and growing up healthy. And obviously Forbes as a, uh, a parent of a little one, I know that's obviously a huge cause for you. I don't have kids, but I want to see kids be healthy. So there's, <laughs> there's that. Um, as of right now, uh, we've gotten five people on board to join the pledge with us. And, you know, I said it, I, I said it in the tweet. If you can't pledge $5 for every Leafs win pledge, however much you can, um, obviously this money's all going towards a great cause. And with the way the GoFundMe set up, all donations will go directly to the organization. It will go directly to the John Tavares foundation. Um, I do not have the ability to withdraw the money myself and none of us do. So you don't have to worry about that, obviously. Um, but yeah, as of right now with the eight people we have on board, even if the Leafs only win three playoff games this year, which if, if each of us were to pledge five bucks for each win, that would get up to $120, which is a donation. It's a donation. It's better than nothing. It helps. And Everything my, helps. my hope, my hope is that the longer we go along with this, we get more and more people to sign up for the pledge. Even if they start late, even if you start after Monday, um, I want to, I basically where I, where I want to end up after this is um, I want to have a sizable donation to make to the John Tavares foundation. And obviously the best way to do that is for more people to sign up. But then the, all the other good way to do that is for the Leafs to go on a long playoff run because the more they win games, the more money we'll be donating. So uh, yeah, hopefully the Leafs go on a big run for that. Uh, and if, and if you want to sign up for the passion pledge, we'll be tweeting about it every day from the six and the six Twitter account. 
Um, there's a GoFundMe link there and you can uh, add your name to your pledge. We'll add you to the list. And I'm planning, I'm planning on at the end of all this to read out a list of all the people who successfully committed to their pledge and actually followed through with their promise of donating the money. So, uh, yeah, if you want to get on on that, you want to hear us read your name on the pod, then, uh, sign up for the pledge. It's all for a good cause. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. And, uh, like you said, you know, five bucks, when you think about it, it's two coffees. Uh, it's two or three coffees. If you're, if you're a Starbucks drinker, it's one coffee. Um, you know, it, it really isn't that much. And and we're not talking about, you know, a daily donation. We're not talking about any of that kind of stuff. We're talking about potentially, you know, 16 wins, you know, potentially you're, you're, you're dropping, you know, less than a hundred bucks. Right. Um, so, I mean, think about it, get involved. Everything helps. I mean, it's for, it's for kids to, to grow up healthy and have fun and, and get involved in, in things that maybe they normally wouldn't. And with, with what, what kids have gone through in the last two years, yeah. um, you know, now is a, the best time to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you a quick little, quick little story here before we close it out. Um, we've been taking Oakley, my son, uh, he's now, two, well, he's two next, next month um, to, uh, to swimming lessons recently. And, his first swimming lesson, all he did was sit on the side of the pool and kick his feet in the water because not only was he unsure about the, the setting of being in a pool, but the fact that he was around other people and other kids, it was, it was something that he wasn't used to. He was so used to seeing people in masks and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, growing up in, in, in very um, isolated situation. Um, and, I think this is what, what, what the John Tavares uh, foundation does is, is just incredible work. Um, his, his wife's majorly involved in the board as from what I understand. Um, and uh, I, I think it's just a great, it's a great thing to see. And, and, you know, week seven or week six just passed with Oakley swimming lessons and he's in there, he's, he's swimming around and he's, you know, playing with toys and he's watching other kids and he's interacting and, and that's what it's all about. That's, that's the future that we have. That's, that's our future. And if we can give back in any way, five bucks is not a lot. It's re- it's really not. So, so make the pledge, make the passion pledge, join us on sticks in the six and Alex will read your name out on the podcast. <laughs> I know that's, that's the end goal for all of this is, is, is for people to hear their name read out by me on the sticks in the six podcast. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Peter, anything you got before we close it out here? Um, just a lot of draft content. Um, the U18s came to an end, so I'm working on a five pro- prospects that stood out slash improved their stock kind of thing. Again, more profiles coming out. Um, yeah, that, that that's basically it. And same thing with the playoffs. Um, whatever storylines come out, you can rest assured that along with Alex, I'll probably be on top of it as well. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, if you're listening in, you hear this episode, guys, get ready for some playoff hockey starting Monday night in Toronto. Send us, send us your pictures of, uh, you know, you and Leaf jerseys on our, on our Twitter account, because, uh, you know, we'll retweet it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll send them out game day and, and, uh, you know, get involved with, uh, with the fan base here. Um, but with that, another great episode in the books, episode 81, you can follow Alex on Twitter at a Hobson media. You can follow Peter at P Barracchini. You can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes or 
follow the podcast at sticks in the six pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. Find us on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Amazon music, anything you can li- use to download and listen to our podcast. We're there. Uh, iHeartRadio as well. Make sure you hit the subscribe, hit follow and join us weekly for more of your favorite hockey talk with that. We close out episode 81 with Go Leafs Go.